right, well, this evening is the first Wednesday of the month, and we alternate between the first Sunday and the first Wednesday of the month to celebrate communion together. And if you will open your Bibles to Matthew, I, I lied, Luke chapter 23. Luke 23. We're going to read a couple verses, then we'll pass out communion, and then we'll wait till we're all served, and then we'll partake together. Let's begin with a, a word of prayer. We're in Luke 23. Lord, thank you for showing us this way to celebrate and remember you. Uh, we thank you for communion. We pray that you would be with us teaching us, showing us, living through us, Lord, and that we'd be obedient to your commandments to partake together in Jesus' name. Amen. All the way in verse 44, it says, Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour, and the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. If the ushers will, and the elders will come forth, we'll pass out, and then we'll share a little bit about this verse. The whole world is black, is dark, for a certain amount of time. And during this time, when the Father turns his face away from the Lord, the veil in the temple is torn in two, showing that as the Lord gives his body, as our Lord Jesus on the cross, as was foreordained, from the foundations of the world and before that, he sacrifices himself and he makes a way, he makes access for us to be into the Holy of Holies and in the presence of God. And so as we celebrate this communion and we take this bread and we crush it between our teeth, we're to remember and remind ourselves that his body was crushed for our sins, for our iniquities, so that we could enter into the presence of God. Let's pray together and we'll partake. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice, for your body that was broken for us. And we pray, Lord, as we remember the work you have done, are doing, and continuing to do in us, Lord, we want to thank you that it was completed on that cross and that, that veil was torn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's partake. And then in verse 46, it says something that's really special. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. What's important about this verse is, as Chuck Smith says, the Lord dismissed his soul. See, he, he wasn't killed. He wasn't murdered. You, the punishment for sin is death. But he committed no sins. And so on the cross, Jesus permitted, he gave permission for his soul to depart his body. And it says here, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. We need to be reminded that as we take this cup, this fruit of the vine, and we know that it's a symbol of his blood that was spilled for us, that he gave his body, he gave his blood, he gave his soul. He was not murdered in the sense that he was just an innocent victim of a crime. No, he gave his life as a ransom for many. 
for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He was in absolute control of the entire situation, and yet he chose to go through that to redeem us. And that's what we celebrate and remember as we partake of the fruit of the vine. And so let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your sacrifice and for your choice. As you prayed with the Father, if it, if it be your will, nevertheless, if it be your will, I will drink this cup. And you chose to be obedient even unto death. And Lord, we just want to thank you for the work that you have completed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's partake. Well, everyone around him knew it. And so in verse 47, it says, When the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this man was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. And so my prayer this evening is not just that we partake of communion together and remember the Lord's work. Let it not be said of Calvary Chapel, Low Country, that we followed from a distance, that we watched it from afar. The Bible tells us that we're to die daily, to pick up the cross and to follow after him. And so we follow his example, and we pray that we would draw closer to him every single day. So let's uh, close out with a final prayer, and then we're going to jump into the book of Joshua this evening. Lord, we thank you once again, and we pray that we would not be following you from afar. That your work, your spirit, your life, your words written on our hearts, in our lives, Lord, would be used for you and for your glory. That we would not follow you from afar, Lord, but we would be near, near to you, never leading you never pushing you, simply following you as the Lord and Savior of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's now turn all the way to the left, back in time to Joshua. And we are in chapter 12 this evening. Joshua chapter 12. 24 verses. Last week, we had the conquering of the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom had already been conquered. And now here in chapter 12, try this again. This thing is being so funky lately. I blame Mike Russo. Don't know why. Well, that, maybe that was a problem. Maybe that was a problem. Besides, I, I broke the cardinal rule. When in, when in doubt, it's JJ's fault. Ty, can you just switch to the next slide? I'm doing that slide change error thing again. Joshua chapter 12. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We pray that you would just fix the computer stuff, the glitches. We just want it to be distraction-free and focused on your word. And so we thank you and we praise you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Verses 1 through 6 says, These are the kings of the land whom the children of, the Israel, of Israel defeated and whose land they possessed on the other side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun from the river Arnon to the Mount Hermon, all the east Jordan plain. One king was Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon and ruled half of Gilead, from Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, from the middle of that river, even as far as the river Jabbok, which is the border of the Ammonites. And the eastern Jordan plain, from the Sea of Chinneroth, as far as the Sea of Arba, the Salt Sea, the road of Beth-Jeshemoth, 
and southward below the slopes of Pisgah. The other king was Og, king of Bashan, and his territory, who was of the remnant of the giants, who dwelt at Ashtaroth at, and at Edri, and reigned over Mount Hermon from Salca over all Bashan, as far as the border of the Geshurites and the Machathites, and over half the Gilead of Gal excuse me, and over half of Gilead to the border of Sihon, king of Heshbon. These Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the children of Israel had conquered, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given it as a possession to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Have you ever listened to a story of, you know, maybe your, your grandpa, your neighbor, you know, somebody older in life, you know, we can't relate to that, I know here. And they're telling you an old story about back in the day. And they're telling you this story with extreme detail. And what are you doing? honestly rolling your eyes back into your skull because you just don't you don't it's so long ago who cares and they're just going on and on and on why are they doing that though because they lived it they felt it they, they it hurt them they had to push through these experiences and have you ever heard a story like that from the same person like over and over and over again we're all nodding our head because we all have that one relative and that one story that you heard every single time. And the reason it's like that, though, is because you, you weren't there. You didn't experience it. But here, as we read these names, these kings, these territories, these places, these are battles. They're brothers, they're fathers, they're uncles. They died in these battles to, to have victory in these places. These locations are now property of the nation of Israel. They live there. And, and so this list is a list of names and places that are absolutely meaningless to us, but to the audience there, the, the immediate audience, they are recounting. They are going back and they're looking at all the victories that they had. In this particular case is verses 1 through 6. It's all of the victories on the eastern side of the Jordan before they even crossed over to the Jordan when Moses was still in charge. Remember, Joshua took over and they crossed over the Jordan. So what, what kind of application do we have? Because unless you're going on a tour of Israel, all this stuff doesn't make any sense. It's like, what's the point of reading this? You know, it's important for us to stop and look back at the victories, the sacrifices, the things that have happened in our lives, in our Christian walk. Maybe you're just starting. Maybe tonight is the first time you ever went to church. Or maybe you've been walking with the Lord for 50 years. All of us are in a different journey. But it's important for us to take the time to recount them because it prepares you for the future and future battles that are to come. I've been making my kids at the school, they've been singing a hymn, Count Your Blessings. Now, my kids are very irritated because I keep trying to get them to sing that song because I love that song. I just love living with my daughter and my youngest son singing that song around the house. I can't get my oldest son to do it. But it's important for us to count not only our blessings, but count your trials, count your battles, count your losses. And remember what God is doing in your life because so often we're only thinking about the battle that's right in front of our eyes whatever trial we're in right now, and it takes over and we lose perspective. Here in chapter 12, this entire chapter is a recap of all of the battles and victories. In fact, let's read verses 7 and 8 together. 
And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan, on the west, from Baal Gad, excuse me, from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon, as far as Mount Halak, and the ascent to Seir, which, is, which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions, in the mountain country, in the lowlands, in the Jordan plain, in the slopes, in the wilderness and in the south, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. We're going to stop there for a second. Now, these names, again, they don't mean anything to us, but the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, every single one of them is an army, is a population, is an entire people group in opposition to the nation of Israel, trying to stop them from accomplishing what God wants them to accomplish. They're in God's land, in his property. And God told the nation of Israel to go into this land and to fight them and wipe them out. What opposition have you had over the years? I, I can think for myself, um, there was a particular home that we prayed for. We prayed so hard that we would get that house. Lord, if you would just give us this house. Lord, if you would just make a way. And then the Lord made a way and we moved in there. And then I, I remember having my pastor there and my friends there. We prayed over the house, prayed the Lord would bless it. Not more than two years later, I'm praying, Lord, why did you curse me with this house? Lord, why did you curse me with this mortgage? Why did you allow me to make this terrible decision? This is the dumbest thing I've ever done, Lord. And so we had something that I thought was a blessing turned out to be a battle. Well, what about times in your life something that you just were completely opposed to? Oh, I don't want this to happen. This is terrible. But then when you look back, Lord, thank you so much for leading me through that, that trial, through that difficulty. That's why it's so important for us as a Christian right now. Last week I had you do it as a mental, in, a mental exercise. List out your battles that you've had over the years. Relationships. Business dealings. Remember the first time you went to church? The first time you ever stood in a church building. You remember the first time you read your Bible and you understood what was being written, what was being said to you? You remember the first time you prayed and you felt like God was speaking to you or the first time he impressed something on your heart? The first time you shared the gospel and somebody said, yes, I want that. Incredible victories. For some people, one of the biggest battles they will ever have in their life is coming to church for the first time. And for some of us, that was decades ago. Some of it, it might be tonight. Well, mark that thing down on your calendar. Count your battles and list out your victories. But I also say list your battles and list your failures. The nation of Israel was not always successful. We need to be able to look back and say, you know what? The Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites... And we need to be able to look at those things in our life and be like, wow, I thought this, I felt this, but this is what the Lord revealed to me. I thought this, I feared this, I had anxiety over this, but really the Lord used it as a blessing. I prayed for this, I begged for this, I was so happy and ecstatic for this. And then the Lord revealed that that was actually a curse in disguise. And we look back 
and our relationship with God and because it helps us with the future. I'm not willing to go through that same pain. I'm not willing to lose that same battle. I'm not willing to feel that shame, guilt, fear, anxiety, or I'm not willing to be tricked or lie to myself or be bamboozled to be tricked into thinking something's real when it's not. And I can look back on those things and say, okay, wow. You know, it's not much longer. The very next book after Joshua is what? Judges. What happens in the book of Judges? The nation of Israel begins to lose over and over and over again. They begin to compromise. They begin to look at the idols of the false gods around them. They begin to long for the kings that are around them. Oppression comes and foreign kings come and oppress. And then the Lord has to keep sending these deliverers. Maybe they should have counted their blessings. Maybe they should have learned from these battles. And I, and I say again, just so we don't lose the historical perspective, we don't want to be too spiritual. The physical application is this. Israelite soldiers died in these battles. Men gave their lives and sacrificed themselves for the greater good in these battles. It's not just a list of names. These are graveyards. And so you guys know me. I'm super weird. I'll go by in, in Beaufort, and I'll go by the National Cemetery there, and I just think, wow, all those lives, all those people. I'll look at uh, pictures of Arlington National Cemetery. I'll look at pictures of the graveyards, the American Cemetery in Normandy in Europe. And I look at that and I just say, man, that was, that was somebody's kid. That was somebody's life. That was somebody who learned to ride a bicycle. That's somebody that learned to march for the first time. That was somebody's friend. And the, the, all this sacrifice. And for, for many young people today, it's a bunch of nothing. It's just a bunch of headstones. Like, okay, what's the big deal? And we can be that way with the Bible sometimes. We can read a history like this. We can read a list like this. We can read names in this place. And we don't identify with the struggle that took place and the sacrifices. One more battle that I want us to think about tonight before we go to the next one is the battle it took to have the Bible in English available to you. The Bible in Spanish. People were burned at the stake. People were stoned to death with rocks. People were drawn and quartered, smuggled themselves, lost their livelihoods, lost their families so that we could have the Bible in English. And we forget the privilege it is for us to have it because we're so blessed. That's why it's important for us to count our blessings. Christian, I think it's important for you, if you're a disciple of Christ, to know church history. Not just biblical history, but from the first century A.D. to 2023. You should know where we came and why and how many people sacrificed themselves on missionary journeys, on interpreting the Bible, translating it, on planting churches, sacrifices for you to come here. I read an article today before we go to verses 9 through 16. I read an article today, it was uh, on Fox News on one of the big headlines, and it said that the church in America, steep decline. Whoa! Well, first of all, the church in America today is not worth going to to begin with because they're not teaching church history, they're not teaching the Bible, they're not sticking to the doctrine, we're not teaching the sacrifices and the discipline and the truth 
Um, so why, why go? So I get it. But then when you encounter those things and the Holy Spirit is calling you and you're catching against the goads and you're hearing sound doctrine, you're hearing church history, you're applying it, those doctrines and those biblical texts and the Holy Spirit is bringing the word of God alive to you, then that is something worth going to. That is being a part of the body of Christ. Forget the time. Empty all those buildings if the Holy Spirit is not there. Finally, let's separate the chaff from the wheat. I saw that thing and I was like, good. Kept on scrolling. And it's not that I'm excited that there's less people that claim to be Christians. No, no, that saddens me. What excites me is that we're getting down to the reality, the truth. And what we're talking about here, even in Joshua chapter 12, reviewing battles and reviewing locations in Israel that could be some of the most boring text you could get, comes alive when you apply it and you realize what it took to get those things to happen, how God used these people to get there, and how he'll use the word of God in your life. So list your battles. List your victories. How did you get here? How did you get to Hilton Head, Bluffton area? What family sacrifice did it take? If you go back far enough, where did your ancestors come from? For some of us, they came from slavery. That's for some of us, you have no idea where your national heritage is if you go back far enough. For some of us, it's Ireland. For some of us, it's Scotland. Some of us, Native American. But what would your ancestors do with the blessings that you have today? Count your blessings. Count your battles. See what brought us here. Because if you think that we're in a time of the judges now, a time of of failure and repentance and redemption, failure, repentance, and redemption. If you think that we're in a backslidden slate now, we have to figure out what got us to that place where we can look back and say, well, we need to go back to being a Christian nation. We need to go back to being biblically based. We need to go back uh, to being based around the Bible. Well, what, what did they have to do to get there? And then we start solving the puzzle. The Holy Spirit starts working in our lives. And the word of God jumps off the text. Now let's read verses 9 through 16. Listen, y'all, it's more names and more places. But we're going to apply it to ourselves. Verse 9. The king of Jericho won. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, won. The king of Jerusalem won. The king of Hebron won. The king of Jarmuth won. The king of Lachish won. The king of Eglon, one. The king of Gezer, one. The king of Debar, you guessed it, one. The king of Gadar, one. The king of Orma, one. The king of Arad, one. The king of Libna, one. The king of Adullam, one. Finally, verse 16, the king of Mechida, one. The king of Bethel, one. The rest of the chapter is going to be like this. One by one by one, they list them. Like, can't you just summarize it? Can't you just say this many? But if it was your battle, if, if that was your battle, and let's say your father died in that battle, would you be looking for the name of that battle? Would that mean something to you? It would bring an emotional response, pride and sorrow. 
Every single one of these kings is a major trial, is a major battle. Again, where, where men laid down their lives to fight and to have victory. And some of your stories, I'm not going to remember them. I'm going to roll my eyes in the back and I'm going to nod my head, do that pastor thing. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord. Oh, praise God. What am I thinking? I want to go home and go to sleep. It's been a long day. But God knows your battles and they matter to him because he fought them with you. The first time you prayed, the first time you shared the gospel, the first time you resisted sin and were victorious in Christ, the first time you opened your Bible, started reading, that first time you prayed for something and he gave it to you and you found out it was a curse, the first time that you prayed the Lord would deliver you from something and to take something away and he didn't and you're like, Lord, I'm so glad that you kept me here, that I went through this. Maybe there's a battle in front of you right now and you're thinking, there's no way out of this. I really did it this time. You remember the first time you took a buddy, a friend, to church? You remember the first time somebody rejected the gospel when you shared it? Remember the first time somebody mocked you for being a Christian? Of course, of course we do. If you've you've spent more than 12 hours with the Lord, you've experienced many of these things already and yet here you are here you are reading about another people's battles and another people's times and these kings and I want you to see something here that's even more important and it's more important to us here in the United States of America in 2023 these tribes these people these cities were impossible to beat they had more people they had better technology they had chariots they were stronger The nation of Israel didn't have any of those things. They were smaller in number. They did not have the technological advance. They had no homeland. They had no home base. They had no fortresses, no castles, no money. Anything that they had for the last 40 years, God gave them and preserved supernaturally. They had nothing. And yet, one after one after one, so many victories one after another I have to take a break halfway through it before you fall asleep because there's so many victories stacked up and what I'm trying to tell you brother and sister is you have so many victories stacked up that if you start telling me them I'm going to fall asleep because your battles are not important to me because I'm a man of flesh man of like passions why because I wasn't there and I didn't experience it Have you ever told a story like that and then halfway through it, the other person interjects to tell you a story? And you're like, I'm not done yet. I'm going to tell you my story right now. Because they are are connecting, but they want to share their experience. I want to remind you that every single one of those victories, every one of those defeats, Christ was with you. He's far more interested in those stories than I am. I just want to praise him for the work that he's doing in you the same way that he's doing it in me. And you may, you may have come in this evening just defeated, just feeling like everything you do has been a failure. But now, if we look back and we start actually reading through your victories one by one, you will realize how victorious you really are in the name of Jesus Christ, in his spirit. Just being in this place with this fellowship, with these people and this pastor is a miracle in and of itself, a great victory. The fact that the tablet is working tonight is a victory. 
because that's been a battle lately. So count your blessings, I say. List them out. Now, I could say these things, and you can agree with them, but then there's something else you can do. You can actually go home, pull out a notebook, and start listing them. List them. In fact, if you're a pessimist like I am, take one page and list all your defeats, all of them. Take another page and list all your victories, all of them in Christ, and see where you stand. I guarantee you that list of, vict- of, the list of defeats is just another list of victories. I bet you the majority of those defeats, you'll find the answer on the other page of victories in Christ. But you just had to add more time. And if you're in the midst of a defeat now, number one, I can tell you from Scripture, you caused it because you're not walking with the Lord through it. And if you are working with the Lord through it and you made a defeat, he'll bring victory out of it. He takes that which is evil and that which is broken and he fixes it. Remember one of my favorite verses, he can restore what the canker worm has eaten. That which is impossible to restore, he restores it. And so he will take those defeats and he'll start sliding them over to the other page. We know from 2 Corinthians that doesn't mean health, wealth, prosperity. We've listened week after week to Paul's trials, tribulations, his stonings, his imprisonments, the Corinthians turning against him. But we also saw how he says, the Lord spoke to him directly and said, when you are weak, I am made strong. That he counts it all as lost for the cross, for the sake of Christ. And what did we learn last week in 2 Corinthians 5 8? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You cannot be defeated. You cannot lose. Temporary step backs, definitely. Roadblocks, road bumps, difficulties, hardships. But what did Paul tell us in 2 Corinthians? Persecuted, but not defeated. Broken down, but not destroyed. Remember that list and all those things that were against him. Victorious. And then finally, remember in Philippians chapter 4. He can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Whether I'm abased or whether I'm abound. That means whether I'm being beat up and defeated and I have nothing, or whether everything's going great, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You guys ready for some more? I know you are. Let's read 17 through 24. Try not to roll your eyes or fall asleep. Remember, these are important. People died here. Verse 17. The king of Tapua, one. The king of Hefer, one. The king of Aphek, one. The king of Lashron, one. The king of Madon, one. The king of Hazar, one. The king of Shimron Miron, one. The king of Axpha, one. The king of Tanakh, one. The king of Megiddo, one. The king of Kadesh, one. The king of Jachnium in Carmel. In Carmel, oh, you can tell what's on my mind. In Carmel, one. The king of Dor in the heights of Dor, one. The king of the people of Gilgal, one. The king of Tirzah won all the kings, how many? 31 battles. Now, listen, this is 31 cities that have been redeemed by God through battle. All those enemies are wiped out. Israel lives there now. 
There are places in your life right now, places in your life right now that the enemy is holding the ground. And the Lord says, let me at him. And he will redeem it, and he will plant his flag there, and it will become his property. An area that you've given over to the enemies, just stop it. Just let the enemy take it. He is a lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the captain of our salvation. He is not weak. He will take it. Just give it to him. We made a list of different kinds of victories. You remember praying to be healed? All, if you're ever a Christian, you, prayed, you had a cold and you prayed like you had cancer. And the Lord delivered you. He healed you. Some of you had COVID pretty bad. For those of us in this fellowship, we praise God. But we lost nobody to COVID. God healed us, preserved us. That, I can't say that for all my pastor friends. Have you ever prayed for somebody else to be healed and they were healed? I have. I've prayed for people to be healed and nothing happened and they died. I prayed for people to be healed and it didn't, didn't work. And then I remember some of those Christians that I prayed for to be healed and they died they are healed. Christ healed them. Because we cannot be defeated. They have a new body. They're in the kingdom, in the presence of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. They answer, the Lord answered the prayer. He's just in charge of the answer, not me. You ever prayed for a relationship problem? Some of you have prayed for marriages to be healed, to be saved, and they happened. Some of you prayed and it didn't happen. And you separated. Give it to God. Rejoice for those that are restored. For those that didn't, his mercies are new every day. It's time to start over. 31 kings were defeated. 31 armies, 31 fortresses taken. Now, I want to finish with one last thing. Do you remember all the complaining that the nation of Israel did? Do you remember the desert? I mean, it wasn't so long ago that they were begging to go back to Egypt because they thought there would be watermelons there. You guys remember that? When they were praying for meat because they were sick of the divinely inspired, miraculous food that was happening every day from the sky, and they wanted meat. And then the Lord gave it to them. What happened? You guys remember? It came out of their nose. Remember when they said they would follow God and Moses came down with the tablets, and what did he do? There was Aaron, God's high priest, Worshipping an idol in the midst of Israel. These complaining losers now have a list of 31 victories. Are you telling me that that can't happen for you and I? Has the Lord changed? Can he change his ways? Does he change his mind? Does he go back on a promise? So does that mean that we are victorious in Christ Jesus, that we can do all things through Christ, that we have victories, that we are victorious in him, that the weight of the world, the enemies, the armies, the principalities and powers that are against us cannot defeat us? Yes, that's what the scripture says. It may not always be the way we want, when we want, or how we want. But how great is our king? How great is our God? And he is continuing to do the same miracles that he did in the book of Joshua, the same miracles that he did in the New Testament, the same miracles in bringing us the word of God into our own language, into our homes, the same miracles he's working into lives and relationships and spiritual battles now in you. No, in Christ we are more than conquerors. And so I pray that you go home and list out your victories because it'll prepare you for your future ones. 
Well, we like to spend the rest of our evenings on Wednesday nights in intercessory prayer. We're going to close out the hour in intercessory prayer. We just pray that we're one at a time, loud enough that we can all hear. Let's pray. Lord, we, we pray that you would guide and direct us. We thank you for the word tonight, and we pray that we'd be encouraged and that you would lead us and direct us tonight in prayer as we seek your face in Jesus' name.